you're just a really badass human that has done some cool things. And I know some of that stuff and I don't know some of that stuff. And I'm really just excited to dive into it today and get to know your world a little bit. Nice. I appreciate that. I'm excited to share. Cool. Well, we can just dive straight in. So Zach, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do professionally. Yeah. So I am 25. I'm a college dropout. Um, I really had to get in the mindset pretty early of like, I have to make, make it in a sense of like, there are no rules. I have to figure it out from a framework that isn't set up for me. Um, that led me into the world of digital marketing, which I became pretty proficient at pretty quickly. And then through, um, you know, opportunity seeing long-term, I was able to get into the crypto space and really made a good partnership with my current business partner, where we have been running a company focused on Bitcoin mining for the past roughly six years. Um, him and I work pretty well together because I brought a lot of the digital marketing side of things to a very infrastructure heavy business where I could kind of come in and say, okay, you're big brain, you're 50 years down the road, you've got this amazing idea, but how do we make people really understand it? And that's what I've found I've been very good at is translating these ideas from founders from people who, you know, are, are very um, innovative in their field, but don't know how to explain it to layman's and people who really need it simplified. So I created our investment program, uh, managed mining program, which has done about um, roughly 25 million in revenue in the past two years, which I've been the one mainly selling um, in that and have been kind of crafting the story the whole time. Um, so yeah, I, I do a lot of now like enterprise level sales, um, working with investors, talking to them about the product and kind of the benefits and, you know, why one would want to do this. And um, that's kind of been my niche within the business for the past, I'd say like two years after we started scaling and, you know, the industry blew up and kind of, we had that marketing in place that I'd worked on the first two or three years, I guess. Very cool. So, and just for anyone listening, I think it's super cool because you and I actually just met sitting next to each other at a yoga class in Tulum, and we were both doing the digital nomad life. So not only are you making this really significant impact and scaling the crap out of a crypto mining business, you're also getting to have a really cool, fun, engaging lifestyle at the same time. Yeah, I mean, for me, freedom is everything. And I've spent a lot of time over the past month um, really defining like what freedom means to me. And a lot of it has to do with my freedom of space. Being able to do this in a nomadic fashion is extremely fulfilling to me. Um, we do have operations in Iowa where the actual physical data centers are, which I do visit time to time. Um, but my job is just getting on calls with people and explaining what this is and talking to them. So the fact that I can do that anywhere in the world for the most part is, um, you know, such a blessing and I'm very grateful for it. And uh, I mean, we've known each other for roughly a year now and, you know, we've had some amazing experiences, but you've seen every time we text, like I'm in a new country and it just like, it lights me up. So I love it. Hey, you got to feed yourself first, right? Exactly. If, you're, if your energy's on fire, it's just going to translate to everything you're doing. Cool. Absolutely. So I have a million questions for you and I'm really excited to dive into this because it's such a great, I think it's such a cool case study of 
success and scaling. And I'm really excited to kind of unpack your thought process and all the things you've learned along the way in scaling this company. Did you say you've done 25 million in the last two years? With your um, just, just through that program. Yeah. We've probably done close to like 40 million in total revenue in the past two years. Um, but through that program I created, we've done about 25 and then through various other um, kind of structures that we offer, we've probably done like 40 in total. Very cool. All right. So first question for you, because you teed it up that your whole job is to help people understand what the heck crypto Bitcoin mining is. So for anyone listening, I, there, we're going to extract a ton of lessons that I'd imagine are applicable for really, my hope is to make them applicable to really any business operation. So for how sure. can we take the things you've learned and done in this industry and apply it to really anything? Uh, but Let's start there. So how would you, would you explain what you do and the industry you operate in to the person who has no clue what we're talking about? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, first off, like who I'm speaking to specifically are people interested in investing in the Bitcoin space. They see the long-term value of it, which is a conversation we could have for hours about what's the inherent value of Bitcoin. Why would somebody really want to make an investment into it? You know, the basics is that it's a scarce asset. That really, I look at it as digital gold. Yes, there are other functionalities, but the fact is there will only be 21 million Bitcoin that are ever created and in circulation. And when you look at scarcity, it's, um, you know, scarcity is scarce nowadays. So having a scarce asset is a lot of the value. Um, and really, there's two ways to invest in it. Either you buy Bitcoin and you wait for it to go up, or you invest in what creates Bitcoin, which are these, um, these computers, essentially, uh, and those will provide you cash flow every month. So it's a much different perspective on the type of investment. It requires a lot more capital up front, um, but it, you're investing in really a cash flow business where you have that upfront investment and every month you're you know, creating a certain amount of Bitcoin based on how many servers you have. And that Bitcoin can either be cashed out for USD and you can just play it like that, or you can hold on to that Bitcoin long-term and, you know, hope that it accumulates in, in value. And that's kind of how you look at the investment. But really, it's a cash flow play um, just within a specific niche where if people do believe in the long term value of Bitcoin, it's something that can get really nutty in terms of the numbers and what the return potential is, because you are, you know, so it's I, I think the best way to describe it is with analogies is very similar to gold or oil mining. Right. You have infrastructure. You're extracting an asset. That asset can go up and down in value, just like oil and gold can. Um, you know, the infrastructure costs more when oil is, uh, you know, $100 a barrel. Same thing when gold is, um, you know, more valuable. The infrastructure costs more to acquire because you're cash flowing more every month. Um, and if you hold on to that asset, if you don't cash it out, then you could experience serious appreciation in the gains. Um, it's very similar to that. So that's kind of like the, the basics of like, why would somebody look into it? And then what it is. I love that. One random thing that just came into my mind as you were speaking that I think is just great for anyone in sales or in leadership or just like communicating complex ideas, simple analogies. If you can find a simple analogy for something that's really complex, you just, your brain just goes, oh yeah, it is just like gold. I totally yeah. feel more confident now. Right? Exactly. So it's just like, I, I love that. I love that explanation in general. And our conversations over the last year have very much helped me understand the space 
more than really any other research that I've done. So I appreciate that as Thank a side you. note. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. So obviously for anyone who's starting a business, running a business, looking to scale and grow a business, uh, almost every business is going to run into that investment challenge of, you know, I'm, you're selling investors as a way to create revenue for the company. Uh, but whether a company is doing that and they're trying to sell people into their products or services, or they're going out and looking for investment to back the company and allow them to grow and scale. I would love to hear about your journey in getting good and eventually masterful at that craft. So what was it like when you were first starting out and you were first trying to sell these people, these investors, and what were some of the biggest, we'll start with that. And what were some of the biggest challenges you were facing when you first started? Yeah. I mean, I think for my example, specifically with crypto, I mean, crypto has been such a volatile space that, you know, when you look at crypto mining five years ago, it was totally different than what it is now. You're targeting a totally different group of investors. But I think in general, when it comes to a company, you know, when you're looking at, at attracting capital, going after capital, it really comes down to like getting specific and just like kind of defining like really what your goals are and who you're going after. And one analogy I really like, and one kind of example I like is like, you want to like sell first and then build because you don't really know what the market wants. The market's going to tell you what it wants. So if you go out with like, this is my product, this is my thing. And you commit to it fully. And then the market comes back and is like, well, we don't really want that. Or, you know, this is really where things are going. Then you're kind of like stuck in this lane. So I think for us, like one of the biggest things that, you know, we learned from the process is that like, you almost have to build it afterwards. You have to go out and see what your niche is, what your value add is, who you're attracting. And then you can get really specific on like, okay, who are the people that we're looking for? What is the offer that we have? And kind of refine from testing versus like refine from the beginning and then bring it to this huge thing and then find, oh, really just this one segment wants it, mm -hmm. which can still definitely work. But it's just like, it, it's getting specific through testing and feedback versus having this like idea and being completely committed to that one thing and then realizing the market doesn't want that or it's not a good product market fit or whatever and being like completely overwhelmed because now you're like, oh, well, I have to start from scratch. I love that. I love that. I find it so fascinating because from my corporate experience doing technology product management work, it's the exact same thing. That's like the cornerstone rule is like, you have no idea, like put your ego aside. You're not designing for who you think your customer is. You got to get out there and you got to talk to them. And yep. I think that concept of sell first, build later is really useful. But I think it also, when, at least for myself, when I first thought about that, because it's fascinating in the corporate space, I knew that that's how product management works, but for whatever reason in entrepreneurship, my ego just like got the best of me. And when I was starting my coaching business, it was like, well, I know who I am and I know the value I can add to the market. So this is my freaking offer and people are going to buy it. And exactly. 
I sure I sold some coaching packages, but like it was tooth and nail and it, I played the game on extra hard mode because I didn't approach it from that lens. So of course, every industry is going to be different. You're going after a specific niche of investors, people with capital, but what does that look like tangibly? Cause I think for me, it took me a hot second to really understand like, who do I talk to? What questions can I ask? What sort of framework can I adopt to be like, okay, cool. I checked the box to execute that before I build something. Like what, what does that look like for you guys internally? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is just like getting clear on what's your value. Like every company or person has, you know, I, I don't want to like quantify it, but two, three really valuable things that nobody else can replicate. And that's really what you're selling. It's just how you package it up and like what the needs are within that value add is kind of what you have to figure out. So for us, like what we understood after five years, because there's so many different moving parts to crypto mining, what we really understood is our value add is being able to find these small power sites that can be built out quickly and really efficiently build these data centers where then miners can run. And there's hundreds of different potential value adds in the industry, but it took us five years to really be able to like sit down and say, wow, okay, nobody does this like we do. That needs to be 90% of our focus because we can outsource sourcing the computers. We can outsource sourcing the data center infrastructure. We can outsource even marketing and, and, you know, and acquiring the customers. Like if I go to a big mining company right now and say, I have 3000 slots that you can plug computers in at X power rate, they're going to be interested because capacity is very limited in the space. So we realize like, that's our value add. What can we outsource? How do we put all of our focus into that? And then how do we start building packages around what people want? So I think it's really just like, defining like what is your unique selling prop or your true value that other people can't replicate because that's really at the end of the day what you're selling everything else is just constructing something around it to make it resonate with the the person or make it flow better or get you more exposure so you're talking to more people about it or whatever but that's really what you're selling so that's like tangibly speaking you just have to get very clear on what can nobody else replicate or what can very few people replicate that I can do or my organization can do? And in, at least in my opinion, that has to be like 90% of the focus of the the core team or the, the person who is driving forward kind of that business. Got it. Okay. So you go out, you get really, really clear on your elevator pitch of why you're better than your competitors, why someone should even think about investing with you. You know, I know it gets into the minutia, but then when it comes to actually putting together how you position that in terms of an offer, are okay. you are you doing user research? Are you like speaking with people who are potential customers to help co-create that? Or do you just kind of like say this is our this is what we think is gonna land, or this is just from a business operations no, I mean, perspective? Yeah, I think it's a mix of both for crypto mining because there's a very specific niche of people who are looking at like that as an investment, right? Um, if you took it in the health world, that's a much broader thing than like alternative investing. We know the type of people, we know the individual investors who we're going after. Um, I think it's like realizing what your true value is and then constructing 
through testing and speaking with them, like what do they want, what works? Because our managed mining program, and I think that's a good question on like how did it really come about, right? Like at first we were selling the hardware. At first our whole game was like, let's sell the computers. And then we got into like, let's run the computers for our customers and build data centers. And then we realized it just wasn't sexy. It wasn't a story. It was very service-based. And what really sells in crypto is that like that story. So I kind of was like, okay, we need like a story. We need something that people can grab onto that gets emotional within the sale versus very transactional. So then we created our investment program that was based on a profit sharing model, white glove. We take care of everything. You know, you passively invest into mining, but you still own the hardware. So it just took refining over years and years. And you can expedite that process by just talking to more people and being more aware of like, the more you refine based on what the market tells you, the quicker you're going to get to that thing that really pops and really works. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was just like trial and error, A-B testing. It wasn't necessarily too focused of an effort. Like I said, like me and my business partner, we're both 25. We've been doing this <laughs> since we were, we were 18 years old. Yeah. So we're, we're kids. Mom's basement just, vibe. No, compl- exactly. Like we were in mom's basement building these computers and doing hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue. And that's when we realized we needed to move into a warehouse. And, you know, for, for us, it was very um, bootstrapped, like um, coming in from those vibes and then just refining over time. But I think it's a good lesson for anybody starting a business is like, like you said as well, you, you resonated this. When you started your coaching business, you had this idea of like what you wanted to sell. And then slowly the market showed you, oh, maybe I need to go in this direction. Maybe I need to go in this direction. But you know, your and this is me kind of just kind of guessing because we work together as well. Your value that nobody else can replicate is you getting on phone calls with people and lighting people up and making them feel supported and fulfilled. Nobody else can replicate that. How it's packaged, that's something that, you know, is it... Um, fitness coaching is it mindset coaching is it executive coaching that's where kind of constructing it comes in that's where that value is and testing it is just going to the market marketing trying to attract people you know exactly and nothing is more liberating i'll just speak for my own entrepreneurial journey to realize like if i can just set my ego down and just ask people what they want you no longer have to sell you're not if you can open yourself up to saying it can look a million different ways and I'm not attached to this way. It's just like swimming upstream against the current and then just riding the flow. Right. Yeah. Cause if, if you can create something that generates $10,000 in value that you can offer and though people are like, Oh, I just give you five and you give me 10 back. Cool. That's, yeah. that's a business I want to be in, in the long term, Right. Yep. And it's just like, and especially when you talk about things like, freedom and lifestyle and that's what it's actually all about for me that's how you create it right i don't need to i am past my days of dying on the pillar of like coaching this specific way is like the only thing that'll bring me happiness i'm like screw that the thing that allows me to have freedom and flexibility is what is going to make the most sense in the long run yeah and i think a lot of people just try and throw darts at the board and see what sticks and I don't necessarily think that's a horrible approach as long as you're taking a lot of feedback from it and you're really learning like what is sticking what, and it doesn't have to be a specific thing. It's like what parts of this are sticking and kind of culminating everything. Totally. And I want to actually go back to what you 
where you just brought up with the story, because I feel like there's a, a case study in there or something to understand about just the human, the human nature. So if you were to explore and, and also another parallel between like product, product management type work and this, it's like in product development, your one of your first steps is user persona, defining your persona. So like defining your the person you're selling to. And I would love to know this person that you're you've defined as the ideal investor. What is it about them that you realize that it needs to have a sexy story? Like why does story matter to them? Or why does story matter in your ability to create a $25 million portfolio? I mean, I think story matters in every business because people People buy based on emotion. They actually give you the money based on some sort of logic. But like, I mean, I'm very into sales psychology. Um, two very good books to dive into for that. One is Pitch Anything, um, which is really about how to pitch high-level investments. And it goes through how people receive information, which I think is really important to understand in sales. Um, if you're overwhelming people with information from the start, they shut down because of how your primal brain works and having that confusion be the same thing as, as fear and as like assessing the situation. So then you go into, okay, you can't overload them with information. Well, what do you tell somebody if your just product is, you know, just a few different facts and you're trying to sell, it really comes down to story for crypto. It's so important because it is a volatile industry. The person I'm selling to has to believe in what they're buying really, really like thoroughly because it is a risk. And at the end of the day, like there are a lot of risks within it. There's a risk on crypto. There's a risk on us as a company. Um, so I think the story is where I can get them out of this like super logic based decision making and more into like, do you trust me? Do you trust our company? Because I've told them about the grassroots, us coming from mom's basement. I've told them about us spending millions of dollars on these facilities that we built and having raised no equity capital except for friends and family and having done that all through bootstrapping and revenues based on sales. I can tell them about the white glove. We handle everything. You're passively investing. You know, this is a lot different from other people who are going to act like a service provider. We're acting like your partner. Um, so, I think story is super important in sales and business just because at the end of the day, like people have options. And um, the second book outside of pitch anything is way of the wolf by Jordan Belfort. I think some of it's outdated because it's based on like cold calls, which people have information accessible to them on a laptop. But um, the way that people make decisions is really clearly laid out there. Like they have to trust you. They have to like your product and your company. And you have to sound like an absolute expert. So for me, it's like when I combine telling a really good story that gets them like emotionally invested, sounding like a total expert, and then making them trust me and like me, which is just building rapport. Um, at the end of the day, like it's not even me selling realistically. It's more me just like telling our story, providing the information. And then being like, listen, if you want to do this, that's great. If not, I've got more people to talk to. And that's where framing comes in, which is another part of sales psychology. So, Okay, say more about that. 
Yeah, I mean, framing is also outlined in Pitch Anything, but framing is really understanding that, like, um, a lot of people, I mean, this kind of comes back to, like, an energy game as well. Um, if you're on a sales call and that lead feels like, if, if they can feel an energy of, like, oh, I need to close this deal or else I'm not paying for food tonight or whatever, if you feel desperate, if you feel like you need this, then they can get into the frame of, like, oh, I have all the leverage. So like I can push them around unless I really want this and it doesn't matter. So framing for me has probably been my biggest sales strategy um, just because the way that I talk to my leads is kind of like, listen, I'm presenting you what this is. I'm going to be the most informative and helpful person in the Bitcoin mining space because I'm not actually trying to sell you because if you don't buy, I don't really care because I have like a dozen other people to talk to that want to give me their money. And it's in my specific situation, the big reframe I have is like trying to kind of present this, you know, this persona of like, I don't need your money. Your money needs my deal. Mm. And that's how it's going to grow and gain yield. So when they feel that, when they truly feel like, oh, this dude doesn't care, like this dude isn't trying to sell me, he's not trying to chase my money. You have to be willing to walk away and you have to be truly willing to like, not like come and I mean, obviously you can send them emails and be like, okay, here's the best deal if you really want to or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like, if they feel that you're desperate, it gives them all the leverage and it takes all your power away. If they feel like, oh, this person's confident, secure, sounds like an expert, knows what they're talking about and isn't chasing me, but is more like, like you said, not even selling. I'm just presenting what this is. You're the one who has to make the decision, but I'm not going to hold your hand for months making that decision because i've got other people to talk to then it's kind of like oh wow like okay like i want to do this like work with me type thing yeah so. i love that i think you just laid out a ton i was trying to talk minimal because i think everything you were saying <laughs> is just key and going from someone who you know for me before being an entrepreneur i had that preconception that sales is sleazy and I was probably a lot of that was because I was so poor at influencing other people. So I, it was easier <laughs> to just, it was easier to just hate it than to like face that insecurity. Uh, and it, it was a big mountain for me to navigate. And as of late, I've been doing a lot of interviewing for tech roles and I've been loving the process because I've read, I haven't read way of the wolf, but I've watched probably every video on Jordan's uh, YouTube channel, which is pretty solid stuff. And I have read pitch anything and the framing stuff is also very, very helpful. And I think you're right. Like for no matter what kind of business communication and confidence, like whoever's leading the relationship building side of your business needs to have that or else nothing will last really, unless you have some crazy good tech product and everyone's just lining up to use it. Unless you make the next chat GPT, apparently. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it works on any relationship or situation you're in. It doesn't have to be business related. It's no. just understanding that like when you give up your power, then you're like, what do you have at that point? Like, I don't care if that one person doesn't buy because it's all it for me. It's all like sales is an energy game. It's yep. me staying abundant. It's like if they don't buy, there's hundreds or thousands of other people out there like them. I just have to attract them. So if I'm staying abundant and this one person's trying to take my power, 
it's it's like not even worth it. It's like I don't want you as my customer if you're gonna yeah. push me around this much because you're gonna be a horrible customer for me. You're gonna take all this energy from my company versus being like, no, I trust you. I believe in you. I believe in the product. Here's my money. Let's do some good work. Totally. Amen. So in any business, there's obviously different functions that pretty much every business has. You're in this like operations scaling role, but you're also really good at like sales is, seems to be one of the skills that you've really developed. And you're really in this like investor manage relationship management role, it seems yep. like. So a couple of those points that you brought up and one of those being total being a total expert and coming from that place of confidence. You know, to, for this to relate to anybody listening who maybe isn't in crypto, but they're they run a software business or like you know I I'm starting this software company that does uh, environment helps you identify and remove environmental toxins from your life. So like okay, I kind of know some stuff in that space. I know I can create a good product, but I'm struggling to like really own my confidence when I step up to the plate. How would you? What would you say to that person to really cultivate? that sense of, of bulletproof confidence when they're speaking to an investor or a potential client? I mean, honestly, there's no way to get around it. It just comes from time and studying like crazy. I mean, I, I know I'm an expert at Bitcoin mining now because I've been actively in the industry full-time for seven years and the industry itself is 14 years old. So for 50% of the entire lifespan of the industry, I've been full-time working in it. So at this point, I know, and I mean, there's still plenty of stuff I don't know, but with what I focus on within the industry, I know how to talk about it. And I know how to really educate somebody in a way that they understand. So I think it's time and it's just doing your research, but then it's also like getting really good at explaining it to people. So because I mean, really like that's, what they talk about like mastery is when you can teach it to somebody or whatever, like there's a quote like that. It's like when you can teach it to somebody and you can explain it to anybody and they can understand it, that's going to give you so much confidence. So I would say it's like time and research and just like doing the work, but then it's also like practicing how you explain it to people, teaching it to people and getting confident in your flow and your sense of knowledge through doing that. But there's nothing that can get you around doing that practice and putting that time in to work. That's just yeah. part of learning an industry, right? Yeah, I love that. I definitely agree. For me, going through, I haven't interviewed for a role for like five years. And I, I didn't know if I ever would. And for whatever, you know, this here we are. And I'm, I'm excited about this chapter of my life. Uh, my first couple of interviews, there was like, you know, I basically reloaded my old operating system from five years ago, who was like a way less confident and embodied Delaney. And I was like, what the heck's going on? But truly, like, making a fucking Quizlet and, like, talking to myself in the mirror and articulating with confidence and not just the words coming out of my mouth, but saying it from a place of power. And I, I totally agree that you can't, you really can't or at least should not try to bullshit that sense of credibility. It's like, do your homework. For me, preparing for senior product leadership interviews, I had to go fucking figure out the answers to those interview questions. And I've done yep. the work, but I hadn't really thought through it in detail. And through sheer repetition and crushing a few interviews, it's like, oh, now I know the whole, like I did the work, but now I can talk about it. 
and I have the analogies just like you have your analogies. And I also think it's, I think that is the 80%. And I think 20, 20% that's also really supportive is creating a story and repeating that story to yourself, right? Like something that I see that could come up and I've seen it in like with people I worked with and people I've coached of them being so like ethically, ethics and, and morals are important. Don't get me wrong. But their driving story is like, oh, I had a client who was in solar. And in his mind, the story he kept defaulting to was there's a company out there that actually has a better offer. So he felt like he was his offer wasn't good and he couldn't sell. And so he was like not selling it well because he didn't believe in it. And my reframe is like, okay, you have two options. You can either quit your job and go work for that company right now. Or if this is still true, like I, I truly would not be unethical. But if there's also a frame you can choose that is, this person will save more money per month with my offer versus what they're doing today. That is just so much more powerful if that's the frame you choose. And if it's true, like I would not bullshit yeah. that. I wouldn't make a career on stealing people's money. But framing, like you mentioned, is super powerful. And when you can craft a story of my product will margin, like their life will be better on the other side of investing in my product. And you can back that up with bullet points that not only can you express out loud, but you truly start to believe because you've said them out loud and you've written that story for yourself. I think that can convey a ton of value in sales as well. No, definitely. I mean, I see that in my business because some of my sales guys that have worked, they, they come into this mindset of like, um, there's better companies out there offering better things. We're not doing the level of service that we're promising people. And like, where my mindset's been because I've been with the company since it was in my business partner's parents' basement. It's like, this is crypto mining. This thing is 14 years old as of actually today, which is kind of funny. Um, it's 14 happy, years happy old. Happy birthday, crypto. Let's go. Happy birthday, Bitcoin, baby. Um, it's 14 years old. Like we are a young company. We're doing very ethical service. Like we are trying extremely hard. We're spending a lot of money to try very hard. And the way that you, we're going to solve problems and be able to improve our service is closing deals and getting money in the door and being able to use that capital productively to improve our level of service. So I was always in that mindset of like closing deals is going to help us solve our inefficiencies. It's going to help us build the company and be better and do better things. They were always in the mindset of like, oh, like there's people out there doing this so much better. And like, we made these promises and we're not fulfilling on it and stuff. And like you said, ethics are super important, but there's a reason why I've closed 20 million and they've closed a few hundred thousand. And it's, it's just mindset. Like, it's just the story you tell yourself and that level of confidence. And then especially depending on how deep you go into the, that world, like if you combine that with like the energy game, I'm really like manifesting and attracting, like that's where like, I, I mean, there's a lot to be said about marketing efforts and all that. And I, I love it, but like attracting customers, attracting people to your business is so powerful when you do it out of flow and you do it out of just like lifestyle and you do it out of a, a place of like truly like not chasing, but just like inviting in. And, and that, you know, it, it's not always consistent, right? You're not always going to be like, Oh, I'm just going to meditate every day and customers are going to come to me, but it's a place where, it comes into that framing. It comes into that energy game of like, no, I am an abundant being and I have a good vehicle to 
you know, bring abundance into. And I'm going to attract people that fit what I'm offering and what I'm about. And then you start to refine like really who you want to talk to, because now you can start seeing like, oh, this person really aligns with my energy and is on the same page as me. This person doesn't. And not that they're a waste of time. You don't want to get unpresent or out of your power and let them kind of take that just by, you know, being like they're a waste of time. But you start to really refine like, who am I going towards versus who am I kind of like, okay, you're not ideal. You're not for me. Yeah. I love that. I read, there's been so many experiences in my life where that is true. Like literally you were a client of mine and I had no intention of making that happen, but literally just based on the fact that we vibed and I prioritized building a relationship with you and having a very dope friendship with you. It turned into a, working relationship which is cool and and i think maybe it's just because i live in austin and there's like so many hippie spiritual entrepreneur people (laughs) here um i love this concept and i just want to really make it i want to draw out that it's it definitely is not just you sitting there meditating and journaling on who you want to work with right so it's it's clarity It, it starts in that place of embodiment of like i know that what I offer is dope through and through. I know that anyone who has the capital to invest, it'll be a good investment. I'm not afraid to share that with people who cross my space. I'm not afraid, like, because I know it's so dope, I'm going to express it if the opportunity comes up because I truly believe that they will appreciate it and that if they so choose to enter even in a conversation, like, I'm doing no wrong by doing so. But I'd imagine you're also being very proactive of putting yourself in environments where those ideal people hang out where you can yeah i mean it's like how like like, in theory how does that person stumble into your life like they're not just true i mean but think about it we met we met on the beach in tulum that's true so maybe it is just like that like and it's not all like i go to conferences don't get me wrong i have marketing funnels where people come in but it's also that refinement of energy i think can start to like because there's a way to get clarity on like who's your customer but then there's also like an energy clarity just on like is this person does this person feel like somebody that i want to work with does this person feel like aligned with my energy and what i'm putting out um because you can tell i mean if you're tapped in like you can you can start to slowly tell like oh this person is it somebody that i need to be really focusing on and you kind of just move away but like I said, I mean, we met on the beach in Tulum, so I think <laughs> it right. can happen anywhere. It's just about like the energy you're putting out in the world. Yep. And like, you know, it'll, it'll come back if you're putting out that vibe. True that. All right. Fair, fair enough. Okay. So that's that. Another thing you brought up is one of the, one of the cornerstones of that power is there's a line of people waiting to talk to me. Right. Like, and there's the, tangible and the intangible version of that the intangible being like that's just a mindset but then there's also the true aspect of like making that a reality so how and again i know it's going to be different from crypto but if there's any lessons that you can share in terms of how you guys go about you could call in this modern world of whether you're using like traditional advertising or you're using social media like what strategies are working for you to get people in the door outside of stumbling into the right person on the beach Yeah, no, for sure. And I think this is also where like using the idea of attraction within marketing comes into play. Like when you look at traditional marketing, you really look at like there's content, there's paid ads, there's outbound 
outreach, you know, there's, there's kind of consistent funnels where you have like an email list and stuff like that. Um, for us, what we found that has really worked is something I'm fascinated by, which is, you know, how to post viral content and how to really scale. Um, one thing that I see, and, you know, I know that you have a lot of um, friends that are coaches and a lot of them, uh, some of them have really figured out how to get to a level of, of kind of virality and scale within their own brand that like truly gives them freedom because they have an audience and they have people waiting for them to drop products. They have people waiting for them to drop whatever. Um, the issue that I see a lot and what we've tried to stray away from is the let's just post the same content everybody else is posting because a lot of people I think have this idea that like quantity is really important, um, which I don't think is a bad thing especially if you're a coach, because if you're only getting like a thousand views a video, it doesn't really matter if you're selling a 10 K package and one person who views it is a client. Cause that's great. But at the end of the day, at least our perspective is like, we got really heavy into TikTok. You know, we have good SEO, we have good funnels that bring people in. We have an email. We got really heavy into the psychology and um, you know, the dynamics of how to post a viral video. And one of them ended up getting 35 million views. We got on Dr. Phil and we've probably done a hundred million. You guys were on Dr. Phil. Yeah. My business partner was, it was, That's it was hilarious. Ridiculous. That's no, hilarious. I couldn't even watch it. It was very cringy, but uh, <laughs> uh, it was like, because of that content and because, you know, we, we got all over the news. Like we've done a, we built a Bitcoin mine for the Sacramento Kings back in 2018. Um, that went very viral. Got on Forbes, Yahoo, all that stuff. But we've, done easily over 100 million views on our TikTok and really understood the psychology behind what makes a video go viral. Um, that's where we've spent most of our time on bringing people in. You know, we've closed millions of dollars off TikTok, which most people think is impossible. Like no, everybody's like, no investors are on TikTok. Everybody's on TikTok. Yeah. Everybody. So because, and especially this is kind of wild based on like the energy and attraction thing. TikTok shows you exactly what you want to see. Their algorithm is scary good. So if you're an investor and you're just looking at like infrastructure and then you're looking at crypto and then it brings you to like a page of this dude walking through a Bitcoin mine talking about how much money it makes and how you can invest in them if you want. Like that worked very well for a long time for us. We're kind of revamping because it kind of got tapped out at some level and we yeah. just needed a new creative direction. But I think content is the the true hack to marketing. If you can really spend your time on the idea of like, especially to start when you're learning the psychology of how to make a video go viral. What if instead of posting 10 videos a week that are the exact same as what everybody else is posting, I focus on making one video per week or one video per month. And I make it as high quality and as in line with what the algorithm wants as possible. And then you get really good at that. That's how you tend 100 500x your your business and your scale because i would much rather spend a month and post one youtube video that gets a million views and gets me 10,000 subscribers than post 100 videos on instagram or whatever that get a few hundred views each yeah. and maybe get me one client again depends on your specific business but i just think there's a mentality of like quantity right now versus especially with these ai tools that are coming out within content Quantity is not going to be difficult anymore. You're going to be able to write a script on chat GPT. You're going to be able to upload B-roll footage to something that edits it automatically, puts a 
voice recorded um, thing from that script into it and boom, you have a TikTok. But is it good? Are people really watching it? Do people really get value from it? Do they really see it as unique? That's where I think the next evolution of marketing is going to come from, which is like who's really putting time into their content. And I think that is like the true, at least from my perspective, like way to really scale your outreach and how many people you're getting exposed to. Mm, I love that. So to get a piece of content to go viral, and this will be a short question, uh, originality is obviously a point which is kind of an annoying catch-all because it's not really like a, a tactical thing, but but basically a do not is do not just follow what everyone else is doing. I'd imagine there's space to look at people who are really innovating and who are getting a ton of views. Absolutely. And unpacking the why, like understanding what is it about human nature and human attention span and dopamine systems that make you want to watch that video, reverse engineer what sort of levers they're pulling on and figure out how you can implement that into your own brand. Yeah, no, I mean, I think when you look at all content now, all video content for the most part, it's all about retention. So it's all about like how long can you keep somebody in viewership of of your piece of content. So, you know, for a minute TikTok, uh, getting somebody to watch for 45 to 55 seconds is great. Getting somebody to watch on average for 120 seconds because they pull up the comments and that video is running in the background, amazing. So if you can create engagement and you can get people commenting, then like your video is going to pop. But mm. what really makes a video go viral is the anatomy of a story, in my opinion, at least. Because I think you can go look at TikToks that you can replicate but with what YouTube Shorts just did by turning on ad rev for YouTube Shorts versus how previously they were paying out and TikTok was paying out, which was pay per view through their creator programs, which is extremely low monetization. Now they're doing ads. So viral YouTube Shorts are going to become very lucrative, which means people who were doing these like short TikToks that really are like cookie cutter, anybody can do real creators are going to start going towards YouTube shorts, which requires storytelling, which I think is where most of content is going to go towards. So understanding there's a goal, understanding there's a rising action, understanding there's a point of failure, understanding there's a success and an overcoming, understanding how to naturally step into being engaging and entertaining um, and provide value on that. Not an easy thing at all. Mm. But if you can spend time doing it, that's where you can get crazy results because it's just a learning process versus what I see so many people doing, which is just getting in front of the camera, explaining a concept <laughs> can be super valuable. Some of the people that I am so grateful that I've been exposed to on social media post that type of content because I've learned yeah. so much from them and There's, I would pay for their stuff. Yeah. It's like but, the stacking value of 30 videos all on the same topic in a chronological order has its place. Once yes. you're in their ecosystem, exactly. but if you have 500 followers on your platform for your product, sure, that's valuable content, but no one's seeing it. So you got to focus exactly. on virality as well. Exactly. I think that's a great way to kind of, you know, look at it is like, that's awesome when you have the audience, but if you want to gain that audience, you need to focus on how do I put all of my effort into one video. And that's something I've struggled with as well is when I look at my brand and what I want for the health and fitness side that I kind of work on, 
I'm, I've got this big mentality of like, Oh, I want millions of followers and that's great. But then what I have to bring myself back to is like, all that matters is the one video that I'm working on right now and nothing else. And if I do that 50 times, a hundred times, 200 times in a row, and I put all my energy into that, I'm going to learn how to get really good at it. And I'm mm. going to find my voice and my flow and my, you know, entertainment within that of how I spread my message. And then when I want to post those videos of like, here's me doing a breath work, follow along. Now I have an audience and now I'm really providing value to that audience. So, yeah, I love that. I love that. I think too, and this is great. Like we don't need to go deeper on this because I think we set a foundation and a place that people can go. It reminded me of this post-it note I have next to my desk. And almost embarrassingly, the quote came from Bert Kreischer, who's just like this I love that. super overweight comedian. But it says, he said this in a video and I was like, that hit and I wrote it down. What will I wish I started today five years from now? Yeah. And something like being a, creating viral TikTok content sounds overwhelming and scary. And you can have a million uh, limiting beliefs on why you can't do that. Because it's like only certain people can become celebrity or whatever. But like literally spend... Oh, and another one, it takes only 20 hours to learn any skill, which is a Hormozy quote, but it's like, bro, literally just go Google how to make TikTok content go viral or how to make viral content. I'm sure you guys have done your research. You are, you're starting to understand that. And any person scaling a business or a brand can go do the exact same. Yeah. And like a few good resources, like go watch Ryan Trahan. He actually lives in Austin, which is funny. He's a super young kid. He's like 23, 24. It's arguably the best storyteller on YouTube. How do you spell um, his last name? T-R-A-H-A-N. I could be wrong on that, but Ryan Trahan. If you Google that, then it'll definitely come up. Watch his shorts. What he does in a 60-second video of telling a story is insane. He's so natural at it. And then you can even look at like Mr. Beast, right? Why do Mr. Yep. Beast videos go nuts? Because they're all challenges. So to see what happens, you have to watch to the end to see who wins. So when you take these elements of psychology and storytelling and what improves retention it's like if you make a video that's a great story that's entertaining provides value and the user almost has to watch or the viewer has to watch till the end to figure out what happens the chance of that hitting is so much higher than if you sit in front of a camera and you're like hi my name's zach today i'm going to explain that it's yeah. just so easy for someone to scroll yeah on. they're like why and and i'm realizing too as you say that you know, I've seen, I've watched tutorials or I've just taken notes on YouTubers and what they do. And I've made like frameworks for my videos. And I've said, I've said that, but it's one thing to say it. And then to re like really understand how powerful it is to like drop a hook of why they need to stay till the end. I've definitely, if I were to go back and I watched it, it, it was just a box I was checking or something I was supposed to say, but I didn't really believe it. But I, and I think that is like, we talk about energy if you like, if you can be so, if you can capture their attention and make them feel in that first couple seconds that they have to get to the end, rather than just being, oh, stick around to the end to find the favorite tip. It's like exactly. the, how, the how you communicate it matters too. Yeah, it's so hard too. I mean, very few people in the world understand this concept right now of how to make a short form video, which is much easier than making a 10 minute long video, obviously, but with the anatomy of a story and the understanding of what the algorithm wants, and if you just spend time with those principles, getting good and finding your voice, if you do a hundred of them, I promise you, 
and this is something I'm telling myself basically right now, mm. you're going to make viral content. And that's mm. what really, really explodes your brand. I love that. Right. So even just scoping this out, if you're a business, you obviously have other things going on, but you know, if you can put out one, I don't know, can, is it realistic to put out one of like you say a hundred, can you put out one a week? Is that too? One frequent? a week is great. One a week is amazing. If you can hit that and really put good energy good. behind it. Yeah. If you can put good resource behind it, then that's amazing. And, and like we're talking about too, there's so many different types of businesses. So this may not be for everyone. Like I know with e-com stuff, it's like all about paid ads and there's different avenues to do things. Yeah. But I think with, where the world is going within business, it's going to require more, um, more engagement and more entertainment and more of a really well-produced piece of content to get somebody's attention because these AI tools are going to make it to where if you wanted to put out a hundred pieces of content in a week, that'd be very doable and you could have a VA manage the whole thing. So what separates you from the, Joe Schmo, who can also do that because all of the information's on chat GPT or on Google now. Well, it's quality and it's like effort behind it. Yeah. It's understanding why people consume content. Yep. Yep. I love it. Cool. Do you have time for one more question? There's one more question yeah, I want to ask you. Cool. Yeah, no. uh, this is even just a me thing as I've stepped into not just like providing service, a service-based business, which to me kind of feels like infancy you can if you have any value to add to the world you can just start doing it basically with a paypal account yeah i i think as i evolve in my evolutionary journey and you start to look at things like getting funding and acquiring investors that can feel intimidating i think when i see you and see how you are articulate your relationship with these people who are high net worth individuals that you're selling into very large investments and it's like I think a business tip within all this is getting someone sold on something. It's the same process, whether the product is $5 or $5 million. So you yeah. might as well lean to that higher end of things. If you want to create a financial abundance for yourself, what can you share with the listeners about just a way to think about interacting with people at that level that might invite fear or smallness or whatever, when you're like seeking an investor or just like selling a high a high stakes or seemingly high stakes opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I think with the investment world, like one of the things to understand is just like how much cash is out there and really like you can play in this world of abundance because there's practically unlimited money. So what, and this is, again, it just goes into framing, right? Like when I'm talking to these people, my mentality is not like I need your money. It's like your money needs my deal. Your money needs the the potential yield that I can provide to you. Now, you don't want to walk in being closed off and like, oh, I'm the man. Like, I'm, I'm no interest in like anything unless you're going to give me money. Like, that's not necessarily how you want to approach it. But I think when it comes to investors, like you, you really want to like find people that just align with your mission and align with your story and then realize that like, they need you just like you need them. It's a you know synergistic relationship. It's not this thing where it's like an investor just gives you money and overnight you hand them two X back. And it's, it's not a thing where like, if they just have cash sitting in a portfolio, they're really doing anything. They have to put that money to work. So I think understanding that like a lot of investors can be really intimidating because of they want the frame, they want leverage. 
They want to be able to, you know, get the deal terms they want, which makes sense, but maybe that's not the investor you need to be working with. Right. And I also think one of the cool things I've seen in the past um, year or two is the, the VC changes or space has really changed. It's really gone from this idea of like what VCs are providing is capital to what else do you provide outside of capital as a VC firm? Because there is plenty of capital. So now VCs are really starting to look at like incubators. How do we provide marketing services? How do we provide connections to people? How do we provide scaling strategies and, you know, help within the ops side of the business? That's a great mentality to have as a somebody raising capital is like, what else do you provide outside of capital? Because it kind of takes this idea of money out of the equation. And you're looking more for strategic partners who are going to help you grow. Because yeah. as long as you have that belief that what you have is really valuable, then that kind of mindset, I think, can be very um, impactful when you take money out of the um, the lens that's like the only thing you're focused on. Because that's yep. m- money only gets you so far. You need you know resources, you need support, you need branding. Money can help with those things, but people who have done this a hundred times over can really help with those. Things. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've been going through that myself, and that's actually what I've come to the conclusion. It's like if we're going to bring in another investor outside of our core team, it's got to be the person who is not only can offer the the capital, but they're a trusted person in the health in the health and wellness space that can then like come in and support in that role. Because uh, it's like ten percent of a business, or even taking on a bunch of money and debt or whatever. And then you fail as a business, everyone loses. So it's like set yourself yeah. up to win as a business. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I also, I also think like one of the things you can do too to help with like the mentality of like, oh, these are the big boys is like kind of like break your um, your definition of what an investor looks like. An investor can be anybody. An investor can be one of your guys in the health in spirituality space that you found that's like done very well. Like it doesn't have to be this mentality of like, Oh, it's this big VC firm and these guys are all wearing suits and everything's very formal. It doesn't have to be like that. One of my yeah. good friends is a VC investor. He invested in other ship, the breathwork app. And this man is like the biggest hippie you'd ever see. He's flowing. He's got like mm-hmm. crazy good energy. He's just like an amazing dad. He's just an amazing mentor. I love that. You never expect this dude is worth millions in a great VC investor. But he's just like, man, like I invest in projects I like, I invest in people and I invest in things that are going to help the world's health. Mm-hmm. Like, so you don't have to have this big idea of, you know, these guys are so intimidating. I think that's part of it is breaking down. Like it, it, it can really be a lot of different people who are your potential investors. I love that. And it's really back to the exact thing you were telling yourself about content. That's like, Okay, if you're freaking out about this one piece of content and doesn't pop or this one sale doesn't pop, okay, duh. But then if you realize that you get to shoot your shot with 50 or 100 potential investors, A, you'll just not align with the ones you're not supposed to and that's good and that's fine. And Mm -hmm. if you realize that there are so many tools and so many networks out there, like you can just start with finding 100 people you want to figure out how to get connected to and start Mm -hmm. there. 
And it's just such a more empowering place of like, cool, that one didn't hit for now, not even forever. For now, it didn't hit. Yep. And no, then, exactly. All that. Exactly. Cool, bro. Well, this has been phenomenal. I really appreciate your time. Real quick, last question, one-liner. What is something you're super proud of that you've experienced or accomplished over your last couple of years of yourself and your growth? I think one of the things that's kind of come back to me time and time again that I'm very proud of is the grace that I've given myself um, in a sense of like, I have these huge aspirations for myself. I've gone through uh, immense transformation as we've talked about losing a bunch of weight and dropping out of school. And a lot of that I've been in my head, but I've given myself real grace throughout the process and not, you know, not really compared too much or not been like, I need to be here and I'm here right now. And I think that's a really powerful thing for myself is to really reflect on being proud of, you know, how I've kind of carried myself and, um, you know, just the energy I've brought to the table every day of, of like, it's not supposed to be perfect and I'm not supposed to be, you know, 20 years down the road right now. I'm, I'm exactly where I am right now. And it's, I'm going to work through this. And, you know, that mindset has kept me grounded and, and kept me really motivated as well. Hmm. I love that. I think that might be the most valuable thing you shared this entire podcast for anyone listening. It's just like, <laughs> you can create a really beautiful picture, but if you're not present and if like, I think an analogy that helps supports me in a similar way is you can create $10 million, but if, and it might take you 10 years to do so, if you're coming from an energy of anxiety and stress and overwhelm, that's just who you are when you have a $10 million and a beautiful wife and a boat, like you're not experiencing it. But if you can do that from, even if it takes you double as long, but you do it from a place of joy and, and fun, then that's what you care about. And you don't even, you're like, it's cool that you have those other things, but you like truly enjoy your life and, yeah, and most definitely. what you are interjecting. So that's fucking sweet. Cool, Zach. Well, thank you so much for your time, my man. This has been awesome. I learned a ton and I know everyone listening has learned a ton as well. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.